Let's begin pray. Lord, as we come now to open Your Word, we ask and pray for the assistance of Your Holy Spirit. That He would condescend to us now as we see Solomon making preparations for the temple. Oh Father, may we see how You are doing that work of building Your temple in and through the church. Oh Lord, we ask and pray that You would bless the reading, hearing, and preaching of Your Word this day for the sake of, of Jesus as we pray in His name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 5. Kings chapter 5, we'll begin our reading at verse 1 and we'll read to the end of the chapter, verse 18. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram always loved David. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord said to David, my father, your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, shall build the house for my name. Now, therefore, command that cedars of Lebanon be cut for me and my servants will join your servants and I will pay you for your servants such wages as you set. For, you know, that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. As soon as Hiram heard the words of Solomon, he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, who has given to David a wise son to be over this great people. And Hiram sent to Solomon saying, I have heard the message that you have sent to me. I am ready to do all you desire in the matter of cedar and cypress timber. My servant shall bring it down to the sea from Lebanon, and I will make it into rafts to go by sea to the place you direct. And I will have them broken up there, and you shall receive it. And you shall meet my wishes by providing food for my household. So Hiram supplied Solomon with all the timber of cedar and cypress that he desired, while Solomon gave Hiram twelve or 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household, and 20,000 cores of beaten oil. Solomon gave this to Hiram year by year. And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him, and there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. And the two of them made a treaty. King Solomon drafted forced labor out of all Israel, 
and the draft numbered 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They would be a month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the draft. Solomon also had 70,000 burden bearers and 80,000 stone cutters in the hill country. Besides Solomon's 3,300 chief officers who were over the work. Who had charge of the people who carried on the work. At the king's command, they quarried out great costly stones in order to lay the foundation of the house with dressed stones. So Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders and the men of Gebel did the cutting and prepared the timber and the stone to build the house. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday we finished up with 1 Kings chapter 4. We saw and heard of Solomon's wealth and wisdom. We saw the king's bounty. How much food had to be prepared for the king each and every day. And those who were to prepare the food. We heard of the king's dominion. The largest part of the dominion of Israel came under the reign of King Solomon. We heard that the king's subjects were at peace. And finally, of the king's wisdom. And again, this morning, we hear of that wisdom. But this time, as Solomon prepares to build the temple of the Lord. Building the temple was the major construction project of Solomon's reign as king. It was one of the greatest accomplishments that secured his lasting fame. And and the text that is before us this morning tells us how Solomon prepared to build the temple. But also tells us why he decided to. To build the temple. We have before us some practical details about the materials that would be used. Now, as we hear of that, as we hear of, of Hiram, king of Tyre, sending a cedar and cypress to Solomon to build this temple, we may not be that interested in, in hearing all of this. But it is given to us by God for a reason. As we know, all scripture, whatever was written in former days, was written for our instruction. And this is no different. <clears throat> like everything else in Scripture, the construction of the temple that Solomon builds for the Lord is for our edification. And so as we study our text this morning, we can connect the construction of, of Solomon's temple to the building project that God is doing in us today. By the saving work of Christ and by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And so there are two things we see in our text here this morning. The first is Solomon's preparation. The second is Solomon's desire. In verses 1 through 17, we hear of Solomon's preparation. Uh, Solomon's preparation for building the temple begins with a special envoy arriving in Jerusalem. It is sent by Hiram, king of Tyre. And we know that when a new leader comes to power, other 
world leaders will send formal greetings to renew the friendly relationship between their countries. And so we see this happening this morning. This envoy has been sent from the coastal city of Tyre, the capital of the Sidonians, also known as the Phoenicians. Hiram the king had graciously provided David with materials as David sought to build his own palace. And so word has come to Hiram, the king of Tyre, that Solomon is now king. And notice what we read at the end of verse 1. Hiram always loved David. He had respect and love for Solomon's father. And so Solomon sends word to Hiram as Hiram sends this envoy to Jerusalem. And in verses 2 through 6, we hear the words of Solomon to this king. Solomon told Hiram his plans. He was going to build a temple, a house for God. He reminds Hiram of why David could not build God a house. David desired to build God a house, but David was a man of war. He had shed much blood And he had been disobedient to God. And because of that, God said, you will not build my house, but your son will build my house. David was never at rest to build a house for the Lord. But Solomon has rest. We have already seen peace on every side. Solomon's subjects were at peace. He is at peace. He's not having to fight wars. And so he now will build a house. For the name of the Lord his God. Just as the Lord had promised David. Your son. Whom I will set on your throne in your place. Shall build the house. For my name. And so Solomon has a specific request to Hiram. He desires skilled craftsmen from the kingdom of Tyre. And if Hiram would send those men. Uh, and, 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 that were, and, and also the lumber that they were famous for, Solomon would pay a fair wage to them. He would treat them well. He would make sure they're taken care of. And so Hiram agrees to these terms in verses 8 through 12. And not only that, but he, he is going also to, to ship the wood to them. He, he tells Solomon, do not worry about sending men to me. I will ship everything that you need. I will make sure that you get the cypress and the cedar that is needed for building the house of the Lord. Now notice what he says in verse 7. Hiram, this Gentile king, blessed be the Lord this day who has given to David a wise son. A wise son to be over this great people. Hiram is recognizing the God of David and the God of Solomon. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. But just keep that there here. He is recognizing the wisdom uh, that the Lord has given to Solomon. And so he says, I will send everything that you desire. My servants will bring it to you on our ship. And so both kings follow through on their commitments. Each man keeping his part of the bargain. 
And so Hiram supplied Solomon with all the timber of cedar and cypress that he desired. In return, Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household, 20,000 cores of beaten oil. And this Solomon did year by year. <coughs> year by year as the temple was being constructed. And notice in verse 12, the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon and the two of them made a treaty. Now the Bible here treats this commercial exchange as a further example of Solomon's wisdom. Solomon knows that Hiram is an ally, and so he makes this treaty. Now some believe that he should not have made this treaty with a Gentile king, but Yet we see in this the wisdom of Solomon in what one commentator stated as statecraft, gaining international agreements, establishing peaceful conditions in the kingdom, laying the groundwork for building activities. And so as this treaty is made, as Hiram praises the name of the God of Solomon, this is a foreshadowing. It is a foreshadowing of something we have seen before in the Old Testament of Gentiles, and here a Gentile king coming and praising the name of the God of Israel. It is a foreshadowing of Gentiles who would one day come and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And to worship from both Jew and Gentile from all nations coming to worship the Lord. And so this treaty has been made. The workforce is drafted. And we hear of that in verses 13 through 17. Now, again, there is some criticism of Solomon here because of his workforce. It reads, he drafted forced labor out of all Israel. He drafted 30,000 men from Israel to work on the temple. Now, as we hear of that, Solomon is criticized because it seems like these men did not have a choice in the matter, that they were more like slaves than workmen. But notice what the Bible tells us as well, that they would go one month, 10,000 a month in shifts. They would work one and be off two. That doesn't sound like slavery to me. It sounds like a pretty good deal. You work one month and you're off two. And you go in a rotating shifts. And so Solomon recruited these men to go and to work on the temple of the Lord. <coughs> he had men who worked both in stone as well as in lumber. And, so, and we know as well from 1 Kings 9.22 that the Bible tells us that Solomon did not enslave his own people. And so these men would go and they... And, and Adoniram was in charge of the draft. He has, Solomon had 70,000 burden bearers, 80,000 stone cutters in the hill country, and 3,300 chief officers who were over the work. And they quarried with great costly stones to lay the foundation of the house of God dressed with stone. And so we find here the preparation of Solomon. But then as we go back 
and we hear uh, of the last verse, but we go back to two previous verses as well. We hear the desire of Solomon in building the temple. Now in verse 18 we read, So Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders, and the men of Gebel did the cutting and prepared the timber and the stone to build the house. Or to build the temple. It's just a, a brief statement of, of the material that the king used, the men that, that were being used to do this. But, but why did Solomon do this? Why did he decide to build the temple in the first place? What was his more motivation? We'll go back to verses 4 and 5. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord said to David my father, your son whom I will set on your throne in your place shall build the house for my name. Solomon did not build this temple for political reasons. He did not build this temple hoping to unify the twelve tribes of Israel. Solomon did not do what we find our government doing, building something for financial reasons. No, he did not do that for financial reasons. He did not think that a, a project of this magnitude would somehow strengthen Israel's economy. He did it for one reason, for the name of the Lord his God. <coughs> he built the temple for the one true God. Now, the temple was for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What did God promise Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That their offspring would be a, a blessing to all nations. <coughs> it was for the God of his father David. It was for the God that he worshipped, who swore that he would make David's royal house an everlasting dynasty. It was for the God who was using Solomon to build his kingdom. Putting his enemies under his feet and giving Solomon rest on every side. It was for the God who had called him to build the temple. It wasn't for the glory of Solomon. It wasn't for the glory of Israel. It was for the glory of of God, And we know that God, after this temple is, is finished and completed, will fill that temple with His glory. Now as we hear all of this this morning, what application can we make? Well, we're going to have more application than we do points here this morning. But first of all, we see Solomon's, Solomon's motivation for building the temple. And it ought to be our motivation everything we do for the kingdom of God. Why do we do what we do for the kingdom of God? By Solomon, we are called to serve God's kingdom. And it should be our, uh, our ambition should be the same as Solomon's. It should be our ambition to pursue the glory of God in everything we do. When we seek the glory of God, we are always able to say this. I am doing this in the name of the Lord. We are not doing what we do in the kingdom of God for our own name, but for the name of Christ. And so unless we are able to say with a, 
with a straight face and a good conscience. This is for the glory of God. Then we should not be doing it. As we do the work of the kingdom. And so our motivation should be that as Solomon was motivated to honor the name of the Lord. To honor the name of the same God that, that Solomon honored his name. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And second, we see Solomon pointing us to Jesus Christ. As the greater Solomon of the kingdom of God. A few weeks ago, or, or, or a few weeks ago, in John chapter two, we saw Jesus going into the temple and cleansing it. And we said in that text that Jesus is the true temple, and He is. Jesus loved to go to the temple. Jesus is the true temple of God. He said also in that text that that if if the Israelites destroyed the temple, He would build it back again in three days. And they were confused. They didn't understand what He was saying. And He was talking about the temple of His body. (coughs) He was talking about His crucifixion and resurrection. And it was only after the resurrection that the disciples remembered those words. But the word temple is an appropriate word to use for the physical body of Jesus. What is a temple? It's a dwelling place for God. It is a place where God lives. When Solomon completes this temple, it will be the dwelling place of God in Israel. And the Bible tells us that the body of Christ is the true temple. It is the dwelling place of God. And what did Jesus do with the temple of His physical body? He offered it up as a sacrifice For our sin. He gave Himself for our salvation. Now why did Jesus do this? For the name of His Father. For the name of the Lord. To the glory of God. Jesus did this to honor the name of the Lord. And in doing His kingdom work, He was motivated not for His glory, but for the glory of His Father. Remember right before His crucifixion, the night before, He was struggling. Jesus was struggling mightily of what was being placed upon Him. The weight, the guilt of our sin. And He asked that the cup be taken, but in the end He says, not My will, but Your will be done. And He knew at that moment what had to be done. Jesus used the temple of His body for the glory of of God and in his supremely selfless sacrifice and his death on the cross he glorified God by saving his people. But third even today God is building a temple. Now the temple of Solomon was destroyed. And even the temple of Jesus day has been destroyed. Yes, there might be remnants but It has been destroyed. And so God is not building a physical temple, but a a spiritual temple. And where is that found? It is found in the church of Jesus Christ. God's dwelling place today is the church as a a living community. And how, how is God building this temple? Is He using 
stones, expensive stones and, and cypress and cedar from Tyre. No, He uses us. And we're not the best of material, are we? We're probably the worst of material. He is using weak and unstable people to build a holy temple, a spiritual house in which He lives by His Holy Spirit. Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, You are God's temple and God's Spirit dwells in you. But God is building His temple. He is building the church of Jesus Christ. And the church, even though the world doesn't view the church as this, the church of Jesus Christ is the wonder of the world. It is the most extraordinary edifice that anyone has ever constructed. We don't see it that way today. We see the church as what? As weak. And as insufficient to match the world's problems. Yet it is God who is building. The stones in this massive building of the church comes from all over the world. People from all nations are being called to come and to worship Christ. And as we read at the end of our text, the men of Gebel did the cutting and prepared the temple and the stone to build the house. And in verse 17 of our text, the king's command, at the king's command, they quarried out great costly stones in order to lay the foundation of the house with dressed stones. What is the foundation of the church? It is Christ. He is the most precious of stones. The Bible calls Him. He calls Himself the chief cornerstone. It is upon Jesus that the church is being built into that spiritual temple. And then finally this morning, knowing that God is building a spiritual temple gives us hope for the future. Again, in many ways, the church is weak. And there are times where living and serving in the church can be quite discouraging. Why? Because we, again, are weak and unstable people. We have trouble sometimes getting along with one another. And there are many obstacles that we face in the church and, and in the ministry. And we wonder even if God will finish the work that He is doing in the church. And the Bible tells us, yes, God will finish that work. He will bring it to completion. Now we will see that completed work when? At the last day. When Christ comes in His glory and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ without spot, without wrinkle, without any sin is presented to the Lord and presented to God. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful day that will be. The, the church made up of, of the true invisible church presented to God by the Son. And what will we see in that day? We will see people from every nation, tongue, and tribe. The Bible tells us we will see a mass multitude. We need to get out of our heads that Jesus came to die for just a small number of people. No, He died for millions upon millions. And we will see that 
in glory. We will see and we will worship Christ with those millions upon millions in glory. And we will see what God has been doing in and through the church to build His spiritual temple. But more importantly, we will see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. You know, that is our desire as believers to see the glory of God in Christ at the last day. The temple of Solomon was glorious. It was a, a glorious building. We will hear of the building of that temple, Lord willing, next week. And it was a wonder of the world of his day. But the temple that God is building in his church is even more wonderful and more glorious. And it is more wonderful and more glorious because of the foundation. The foundation of this spiritual temple, the church, is Jesus. You know, Peter made a confession. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said upon that confession that He would build His church and is being built upon the confession that Jesus is the Christ, is being built upon the fact that Jesus is the cornerstone of the building that God is doing. And not only is He the cornerstone, He is the head. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the head of what God is doing. And, and through preaching, how foolish is that? Through preaching, God builds His church. God builds his temple. And so as we close this morning, let me ask you, are you a part of that building? Are you a part of that spiritual temple? Many of us this morning, we are, we are part of the church. Many of us here are communing members. Some of our children are non-communing members. We are part of the visible church of Jesus Christ. And thanks be to the Lord for that. But are you a part of the invisible? Do you know Christ? This evening, we're going to hear of a man coming to the Lord by night. This man was a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And Jesus said to him, you must be born again. And we'll see what that means tonight. But Nicodemus was a religious leader in Israel and did not understand what Jesus was saying to him. And so are you a part of that spiritual kingdom? Have you come to Christ in faith and repentance? If not, do that today. Come to the one who is the chief cornerstone. Come to the one who gave his life to save a myriad of sinners. And that is Christ. Come turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus. And at the last day, you will see the glory of God in the church of Jesus Christ and in Christ himself. And you will be there worshiping your God. And worshiping the Lord Jesus who has saved you. And God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Father, we thank You this morning that even in Solomon's preparation of building His temple for You, we see Christ. No, Lord, I pray for any who are here this morning that knows not the Lord, that You would bring them to Christ even now. To show them their sin and their need of Jesus and, and bring them in faith and repentance and make them what you are building, a part of that spiritual kingdom here upon earth. Oh Lord, we look forward to when we will see that 
with our physical eyes. We pray that day would come quickly and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.